Hello and welcome to DC Kaiafa's Better Wherever podcast, where we are better together wherever, whatever the weather, whether we are together or not. And Natalie and Alexis, I have a question for you. All right, I'm ready. Okay. What did the doctor say after Jesus was born? Hallelujah. What? No. And before that. Mm, I don't know. I don't know either. He said the mother and baby are doing well. Both are in stable condition. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's actually, I like that one. That's funny. No. That's, <laughs> oh, God. I've liked all of these. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, wow. man, that's really something. Good one. Mm-hmm. So, I am here today with Natalie and Alexis. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about discipleship, which, if you know anything about Kayafa, that's basically the core of who we are and what we do. And so, we're just going to spend a little bit of time talking about our own experiences, um, both on the receiving end of discipleship and on the giving end of discipleship and just what we've learned and um, yeah, what our experiences have been and how it's impacted us. So yeah, stay tuned for our conversation. Yeah, so this week we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about discipleship trees or people that have um, influenced us and uh, also those that we have influenced and discipled as well. Um, and just kind of talking about what discipleship means to us as staff members with Chi Alpha. It's kind of one of the things that we focus on in this ministry. And yeah, Natalie, do you want to share with us what um, kind of your relationship with discipleship has been and what your experiences have been like? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I feel like I I have a, what feels like now kind of like a fairly long history with discipleship, just like as the years go on, as I was like, you know, mentored throughout college and after, um, I feel really grateful to have like, when I was thinking about who all would be on like my own discipleship tree, if you will, just how many people are on it, it for like different things at different times you know, in different areas of my life. Um, I will say like discipleship, I don't think was like talked about in my life growing up very much. I think that there was maybe, there wasn't a huge emphasis on even just like small groups or discipleship in the church as like small group was just like a big woman's Bible study with like a couple hundred people, you know, so like that wouldn't be small group. Um, but I feel like discipleship was really first talked about in college for me um, when I was in Chi Alpha. And as I like look back, I think that there were one or two people who did disciple me like in high school, but I didn't necessarily know it at the time. Um, but I kind of realized it after the fact. Um, but I think like if we're just, if we're just talking about discipleship overall, and I think this is a lot of the reason why I, I, have, you know, in a way bought into Chi Alpha and why I'm on staff is just because that, because of discipleship is why I'm here, you know, and discipleship is why I think I'm following Jesus as far as like ministry goes, because it's great to have, you know, services and sermons and all of that. We need all of that, but the like one-on-one discipleship, those people, specifically women who kind of took me under their wing in a lot of ways and um 
just shared what they knew in a way that was really like personal and thoughtful, I think really shaped my life. So for me, like, yeah, I have what feels like countless women who have poured into my life. Um, you know, I have people like Stepha Chappelle, who I would consider a mentor now more than ever before, who works for National Chi Alpha, who really pours into me as like a minister. But in college, I had a couple different mentors, Logan Mills, um, Hannah Young, specifically when I was like in leadership. Before that, my small group leader, Julia, I remember my freshman year, but I think it, I even go back to like in high school, this wasn't Chi Alpha, but um, when my youth pastors, Quinn, who probably will never listen to this podcast, we know that I'm talking about her, but like, I think what was different and what, like how discipleship started for me with her was like, it wasn't just like someone that I grew up with or my parents who like knew me growing up or, um, like just someone who kind of like got to know me where I was at at that time and like my history didn't really matter necessarily in how they related to me of course like I think history leads up to what shapes who you are but like mm -hmm. all these mentors of me they weren't using anything from my past or any prior knowledge of me you know to disciple me they kind of met me where I was at and loved me where I was at and cared for me and saw me as who I was standing in front of them. Yeah. And I don't know, Quinn really opened that up for me in high school. Um, was probably the first person who was like a mentor of mine who saw me and really like, I feel like kind of saw my heart and not my history or how I grew up or who I was before or whatever, but like loved me where I was at and and called me higher for sure, but also like met me there. Um, and yeah, I just feel really blessed to have had that in college um, with, with the others, you know, my freshman small group leader and then with Hannah and Logan who were officially my like mentors as a student leader and, and now um, people like Stefa who just like, I think what's so cool about discipleship is like, they just pour into you what they know, what they've learned. And if we really believe that discipleship is just like disciples who make disciples who make disciples, like we can start tracing back and each one of them had something different to offer because, you know, say like Logan was at, she went to school at UVA. And so her mentors were UVA pastors and, and leaders. Hannah was at the university of Alabama and, and her campus pastor, April Woodham. And, you know, going back to there, um, like their trees and Julia, my freshman small group leader, um, became a Christian really in college at AU. So it's just like, I think it's cool that we get to share pieces of ourselves, you know, from all different places and stages and like our own discipleship trees. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean that those one-on-one -on -one relationships, uh, I think were probably the most impactful for my story because they were just people who who validated me you know and saw me and nothing else besides me and I'm not that's not to complain about you know how my parents view me or anything but you know your parents 
they've seen you since you were in diapers. So it's just going to yeah. be different. And they're viewing through uh, a different lens. They're being totally. influenced by a person that you also used to be that maybe not necessarily right. are anymore. Right. Um, and that's fair. That's totally valid. Right. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was really helpful having, and I don't think like my mentors necessarily saw only parts of me. It wasn't like a fake side or just like a glimpse of me, not like my whole self, but I think that they saw like every, like all of me, but who I was right here and right now. Um, and that was just like incredibly validating and it made it easier to trust and to be vulnerable. And, you know, yeah, the deeper I, I only got deeper in conversation and in growth as much as I was willing to be vulnerable. But I think the thing about discipleship and mentors is like, and what I hope to do as a, as someone who disciples others is be a safe person for others to be vulnerable with. And I'm really grateful for really all of those women being very safe people for me to feel vulnerable with. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Brené Brown um, is the one who coined this term, like a vulnerability hangover. I've definitely mm -hmm. suffered from vulnerability hangovers before, where it's like the mm -hmm. next day you're like, oh man, I really shared a lot about myself yeah. there. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, you feel kind of a little bit sick. Um, <laughs> but funny. like, that's, that's what always has like led to growth for me. And I'm yeah. really grateful for all those women who have, who have shared enough of themselves to make it feel like they were going vulnerable. They were being vulnerable first. Mm -hmm. And, and then also just made it feel safe for me to share myself with them. Um, yeah. I think that that's like just such a important uh, relationship to have. And I think Jesus models it, you know, in the gospels with his disciples. Um, yeah. Uh, it was, it, I think it's very transformational for me. I didn't know I needed it until college and then looking back on some of the people in my life in high school who did that for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. What about you guys? Yeah, I feel like um, I relate similarly where like discipleship was not something that I experienced or even heard talked about before college. Um, I also like went to a church where um, Therefore, just focus on other areas and so that there wasn't really a lot of like mentorship happening not really any small groups and so i knew the word discipleship like i grew up in christian circles enough to like be familiar with that but i don't think i ever really saw it practiced or and so i don't think i ever understood what it meant in like that kind of context of like very intentional discipleship so i mean like i really honestly don't think i had anybody like one-on-one -on -one discipling me until college uh mm -hmm. i thought before that it was a lot of like going to church things and showing up for things. And then like, oh, it's a very big emphasis on like personal quiet time. Like my parents always make sure that I like spend time, like read my Bible on my own and all that kind of stuff. And so there's like this weird thing where it's like lots of personal time with Jesus and then communal, but like mm -hmm. not a lot of like mentorship or one-on-one -on -one or even like small group where it's like two or three yeah. people. So like that kind of aspect of it was missing. Um, so it was interesting coming to Chi Alpha where I was just like, okay, cool, Christian group. I'm a join, not really recognizing that it was like a discipleship ministry. Um, and I had never seen that practice. And it's really interesting because um, the first person who kind of like brought me into Chi Alpha was Emily Kusunoki, who was at the time Emily Thacker. Um, and it was really cool because I think 
well, for one, I didn't really understand what was happening <laughs> um, <laughs> with like discipleship. And I just, I just, she did a great job because I really did it. I never experienced it. So I didn't even know how to be discipled, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I didn't know what was expected of me when I sat across the table from someone in a one-on-one. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I didn't, like, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff because no one had done it with me before. And I feel like I was eventually able to, like, understand, oh, okay, after a while, this is what it is. But then it still takes a while between, like, knowing what you're supposed to do and, like, actually getting yourself to, like, do that and to be vulnerable and to, like, mm-hmm. understand what you're supposed to do as someone being discipled. Um, so I feel like I didn't really understand that it took me a while to even just get used to the idea of discipleship like, yeah mm-hmm. you know figure out okay this is what's happening right what i have to do this is how it can impact me like i just none, none of that had ever been familiar to me before and so yeah. i think all of my freshman year was really just like learning how to do that totally and even how to be in community which another thing that i appreciated too as a part of discipleship um is like the way that emily also brought me disciple me in a way that brought me into community like it wasn't just like I'm going to disciple you and turn you into me like discipleship (laughs) shouldn't be someone just kind of being like I'm going to make mini versions of me you know (laughs) but it's like what am I doing to bring this person into the fuller community which for like Kayafa that means that like you know if you're discipling a student you know maybe a freshman it's like okay what am I doing to make sure that they come to small group what am I doing to make sure that they come to larger gatherings that they are hanging out when we just kind of hang out like how am I bringing them into the full fold of community mm-hmm. because that's also part of discipleship and so I really appreciate that as well yeah. but yeah just one of the things where it's like I did not I never experienced discipleship and so it took me a long time I think to learn how to be on the receiving end of it mm-hmm. and then I had to learn how to be on the giving end of it which is possibly even harder yeah. um but I just like I just never had done it before. It's so like four yeah. years of college was a like, crash course in discipleship for me, basically. Right. Well, and that's what I think it, what, for me, and I think probably for you guys too. It made like it so feel so revolutionary. It was like I didn't really realize what discipleship was until a while after people had been discipling me. Like mm-hmm. I just felt like wow, I just had these very close relationships that mean a lot to me are pouring so much into me I'm learning so much from them and they really care for me and love me like some of these were it felt like older sisters you know or I just remember talking to my freshman small group leader and being like we're just so totally different people and we were like it's just it kind of shocks us how how well we get along you know because we're very different in so many ways and you know later when I kind of learned more about discipleship it was like, oh, this all makes sense. You know, like it really was deep spiritual friendships with people who had like kind of gone before me and just sharing what they knew. And that's when, like, when I would think back to, oh, this makes sense why I felt so close to Quinn um, and why that relationship was so deeply meaningful. Same with, you know, Julia and then and then by the, the time more mentors came around, it was like, I knew what discipleship was and it was a little bit more official. Right. Um, but it started with just like kind of deep, yeah, that deep friendship and care mm-hmm. that I wasn't familiar with in any other sort of way. Um, but later on I was like, oh, like I didn't feel duped. I didn't feel like they fooled me into like getting me to be discipled by them or something. But I think that they just like went about it in a way that was actually very caring. And I was like, oh, this really works. Because when I look back on my life the past few years with this person, I have grown a lot in my relationship with Jesus or in my maturity or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Alexis? Yeah. Um, 
Yep, similar to both of you, and I've come to learn similar to most people that grew up in the church, unfortunately, in the American church, is that discipleship is not usually a big part of church culture, unfortunately. Um, but I think I definitely grew up in almost extreme, was with the very kind of classic and large Pentecostal church. We were very focused on evangelism um, and kind of getting people saved, um, and but there wasn't much in between that and then the expectation that you spend time with God by yourself during the week. Um, so I truly, outside of the 12 disciples, truly did not have any concept of what the word discipleship meant in a church context until I came to college, um, or even really a small group either. And so that was my first time at all, figuring out what a small group was, figuring out what like one-on-ones were, um, which is actually pretty funny because I realized at a certain point, I don't know if I felt tricked, but I just realized that there was a distinct point where I realized my small group leader meeting up with me regularly was like a thing and it wasn't just her, her hanging out with me. And then with the person that I discipled, Emily Sutherland, she felt like betrayed when she found out that it's like a thing. I was like, no, I mean, I want to hang out with you too, but <laughs> mm-hmm. she was hurt. And then it came back on her because then she did it with somebody else and then, I think it was <laughs> and then Hannah was like really hurt yeah so anyways oh, but there's no need to feel hurt the reason is we're there for a reason that's to be friends with you yeah. <laughs> to love you and you know mm-hmm. anyways but yeah so um I definitely am grateful for um Kai Alpha and kind of jumping into that um I think Natalie put it really well of just being there being all that I was a uh, freshman year, you know, and then having people meet me and being like, I want to, I want to get to know you and to talk about things that are real and present in your life right now. And just having people meet me where I genuinely wanting to get to know me, genuinely loving me and not caring about who I was or what I was doing um, was just really sweet. Um, so definitely meant a lot to me. Well, I think like what is kind of countercultural about discipleship is, is, you know, like, like you're talking about, I mean, we've probably had experiences where one, we've maybe felt hurt that, you know, we start to think that we're someone's project or Mm -hmm. we've definitely Mm -hmm. had, I mean, I've had many, you know, students who, when I, both when I was a leader as a student and and as a staff member who felt like, yeah, oh, I'm just a project to you or Mm -hmm. I'm just your job. Um, which is not true, but I think it's countercultural, this idea of like, um intentional discipleship because yeah we don't really have anything like it in our world in a lot of ways like the thought that someone would want to pour out into me um for no other reason just that like we care about the person enough to share ourselves for them to grow like I feel like it becomes this like we perceive it we get hurt by it because we think we kind of have this very like black and white view of relationships like either it's self-centered or not like you know so the fact that like I'm not there because I want more friends and I want you to be my friend right it's like I've got enough friends you know this isn't necessarily that although like I still love you and want relationship with you it it's not saying something negative it's just something different Mm -hmm. you know it's not just about like I need friends and I want you to be my friend Um, but it's actually like to care about someone and, and themselves and their future and enough to just want to pour out to them and to do that very, 
you know, regularly and somewhat officially, you know, and mm -hmm. like scheduling times to meet up and stuff like that. I just don't know if our world offers much of a framework for that, mm -hmm. or maybe, maybe it's Western culture. I don't know. Um, that I do think sometimes people get hurt at that idea when our intentions are actually very, I mean, I would hope selfless in why yeah. we would want to disciple others, but um, because it doesn't fit our maybe very like straight framework on relationships, yeah. it seems like, well, why would you be doing this then? You know, yeah. are you mm -hmm. fooling with me or whatever, you know? Yeah. Right. And I do think that that is a common reaction instead of feeling like wow this is like what a what an honor that we get to have relationships like this you know mm -hmm. yeah and i think that there are times where sure i mean it could be fake you know i'm just doing this because i'm assigned mm -hmm. you or something like we have to be careful as disciples right. to not do that and to actually see people as themselves and not as projects but yeah but yeah that's so interesting too because i feel like usually when people talk about discipleship it's talked about in a way almost where like, because it's efficient, like usually they're talking about like evangelism, about like disciples making disciples and how that's the best way to really spread the gospel is to individually be with people, which is tr true. And that's like, yes, it is. But I think it's interesting that you're pointing out that discipleship is also like a form of love. Like I feel mm -hmm. like I usually hear it talked about more as like a form of evangelism, a yeah. ministry model, like that yeah. kind of way. But it actually is a form of love to like say, hey, I care enough about you that I wanna be in relationship with you and I want to help you grow. And I, and I honestly care about you because like, yeah, I'm staying way when like, you know, I had people in Kayapa who were like discipling me. It was like, almost like, why do you care? Like, why do you want to yeah. do this? Like, why, why do you want to know how I'm doing? Why do you want to spend time with me? Why do you want to hear about my day? Like, why? Yeah. And I think, you know, we get skeptical, which is why we're like, wait, this is just a project. But discipleship mm -hmm. really is like a very active form of love. Like, you know, when Jesus mm -hmm. was discipling his disciples, yeah, it was because he needed to do this so that the gospel could be spread. But it was also because it was his way of showing his disciples love. Yeah. So I mm -hmm. feel like we don't talk about it being a love thing as much yeah. as we do like a ministry model thing. Yeah. And I think that's really convicting as someone who disciples as part of my job, mm -hmm. you know, um, to make sure that it's rooted in love and not in just like evangelism yeah. or, mm -hmm. although like we believe in evangelism, right. <laughs> that's not to yeah, say yeah, we yeah. don't believe in right. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's like, also is evangelism rooted in love or is it rooted in mm -hmm. numbers or requirement or whatever? Right. Um, and that's convicting for me as staff member. And I think we also believe that even if you don't join ministry staff somewhere, we still are called to be disciples, make disciples, make disciples, wherever we go. Um, and I think that that's like, for me, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, Jolene. Like when I felt, the most meaning coming out of my discipleship relationships as as the disciple um it was when i felt deeply loved when people would you know what's that channel like listening as a form of love like when people would actually come and ask how i was and really wanted to hear all about my life yeah. or all about my day or all about my feelings about anything you know mm -hmm. and i think you can tell when people want to know um those things versus when they're required to know those things or ask those questions and mm -hmm. and yeah I mean it's a much bigger conversation I guess but right. as Christians are we doing that to build the numbers for the kingdom or are we there to show the love of Jesus mm -hmm. um, yeah like on our small scale 
DC Chi Alpha, but also for the kingdom of God, like what is the point of discipleship? And it's to show the love of Jesus in the way that we love people, the way that he loved people yeah. and continues to love people. Yeah. Um, and that's where like the meaning comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like the way, just listening to the way that we each of us described what it feels like to be discipled and to have people love us like that, like, and not being cliche, but it feels like the gospel and the way that somebody phrased it, I don't know who quoted it, but they were like, it always, the gospel always feels a little bit too good to be true. And that's because it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how discipleship feels like what feels like there always should be another motive or different intention. But when the intention is generally, I'm literally just here to know how you're doing. Like I had multiple, this is not weird, right, things, but multiple girls that I mentored, they'd be like, Alex, like the thing that shocked them most about meeting with me is I would sit down and be like, how are you doing? And they'd be like, she means it. And sometimes when they want to give me straight answers, I'm like, no, how are you really doing? I want to hear and I want to know. And then like it would switch and the light bulb go on and they're like, and then they share. And I'm like, it's because I want to know. And I'm here yeah. to listen. I'm here to walk through with you. Um, literally just because I love you and because Jesus has loved me like this. Mm-hmm. And I want to show that to you now. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a display of the gospel that you're right at its exact core, I think is countercultural probably anywhere. Yeah. You know? Well, because in the flip side of that is it takes vulnerability on both ends, yeah. but going back to what I was saying about the countless vulnerability hangovers that I had yeah. after, you know, conversations with, or even just like the vulnerability hangover of like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, or maybe I just, my feelings, I have a lot of feelings, but, which is also very true. Um, but like, even if it's not having a conversation that's incredibly vulnerable, but it, when it's just like sharing of your time. Yeah and being with someone in a way that feels vulnerable. I don't know if that sounds weird. I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but it's like, it doesn't necessarily always mean that like Mm. we have to have deep conversations, but just like when you have like, you know, moments with people that just feel, um, I know this word is used to, to feel weird sometimes. I don't mean in a weird way, but just like intimate Mm -hmm. friendships and Mm -hmm. intimacy Mm -hmm. where afterwards you're like, wow, I really like, that was like a really deep friendship or time or whatever. Like even that feels vulnerable, like sharing mm-hmm. of your time and your space. Um, but that's like the, yeah, I mean the most growth happened, but also like just the deepest relationship happens out of that, that place. And that is countercultural too. I think the desire to be oh, yeah. vulnerable. I mean, there isn't a desire to be vulnerable. And uh, we, yeah. this circled around for a while. Brene Brown does, I think, I think maybe this is where she coined that term vulnerability hangover, but she does a TED talk on vulnerability, but just talks about like depth only comes from that. But as disciplers, we're going to be the ones who have to set the stage for vulnerability. Yeah. You know, like I needed people who didn't just expect me to be vulnerable. You know, they like set that up for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I'm forever grateful that they did because yeah. it's, it's impacted so much of who I am now yeah. and what I do. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we believe that like it doesn't just stay in college. I think it's kind of sad that for most of us, we only experience this in Chi Alpha. I think the church is starting mm-hmm. to change a little mm-hmm. bit as a whole. Um, 
but I think we've got some room to grow because it is hard and it's time consuming and it's sharing of ourselves, which has to be selfless, but it doesn't just stay in these four years of college or just in Chi Alpha, like Jesus did this. Um, and yeah, we believe that hopefully the people that we've all discipled are now discipling other people. And if not, and you're listening to this, you got to get on it. Go make a disciple. Go make a disciple. Go right now. (laughs) But at home. (laughs) Right, right. But just do it virtually. Zoom still works. Mm -hmm. Paul had many disciples and he really only wrote letters to them. So It's true. Mm -hmm. There you go. Pedagogical discipleship. Wow. All right, German. So to catch everybody up, there was a conversation that we were having, not related to the podcast initially, about something, and you had some questions. Tell everyone what that topic was. <laughs> the topic is uh, discipleship tree. Um, right. Yeah. And it was this idea of whose discipleship tree are you in? Yeah. Who is your, who's in your tree? Yeah. And kind of what does that look like? Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, definitely. Because it's something that we talk about a lot in terms of like, at least as Kyle for our mission, and this is how we really operate. We operate as a tree, but I think, yeah, I think for me, just, I can't trace, if I try to trace back my trees really hard. So I was like really confused when I was, Oh, I don't know if I have a tree. I'm sure I do. I just definitely don't have it parsed out yet. Yeah. And so that'd be kind of fun today in our segment of the podcast, just for a few minutes to talk through, um, I'll talk a little bit through my tree and maybe several different trees. Um, okay. And then maybe we could kind of dig into your tree together. How does that sound? Sweet as do that. Okay. So when I think of my own discipleship tree or the discipleship lineage that I'm a part of, I typically think about it in a few different layers. I think about, mm-hmm. um, you know, my family of origin. Okay. You know, my parents came to know Jesus radically and follow him in discipleship when I was around four years old. And yeah. I think, Pastor Julie Avery, a lead pastor who's a woman of a non-denominational church, played a key role in my parents' faith journey. So I think if I look at that tree, it's kind of my mom and dad, Pastor Julie Avery. If I think about my time um, in youth ministry, both as a youth and as a youth pastor of the same group eventually, it kind of goes Justin Reeves who was mentored by Chris Foster, who mentored me for 10 years, who was mentored by Pastor Jadon George in Texas. Yeah. And so my discipleship tree uh, in terms of church ministry or church life includes some youth pastors. My story is unique in that it was so crazy cool. I got to be the youth pastor of the very first youth group that I joined when I finished college. So it was kind of like I got to move home and invest right. in a community that made so much to me. When I think That's of dope. my Chi Alpha tree, I did my uh, undergrad at the University of Alabama. And the people that are in my tree who invested in me, folks like David Ray, uh-huh. Craig and April Woodham, um, I think connected into my tree, um, maybe as peer mentors who we both invested in each other would be folks like Ryan Thompson, Brandon and Kayla Shirley, peer Tiffany mentor. Bradford. Okay. And so those are like on the leadership team and we are kind of spurring one another on in love. So I, I tend to think of it through a few different categories. And right. then, you know, I guess for me, I'm trying to think of the folks that, you know, I have invested in uh, would kind yeah. of continue on that tree. And so okay. if I think about it in terms of DC Chi Alpha, um, you know, I think about 
um, Mike Godzo, of course, who is my CMIT okay. director. Um, I was thinking that. I was thinking that too. Yeah. I mean, that's the only person I could think to trace ours. His CMIT director um, was um, Stephen Belkis Lehman. Belkis does the diversity task force with National Chi Alpha. Nice. Um, and then the person that really played a role in getting Mike and Jen Godza to DC, there's two people, Harv Herman and Alicia Scholey. And so I kind of would trace my lineage back there and hopefully staff that have served under me. Um, Josh and Brittany Jones, Dylan Hastings. Mm. Mm, yeah. Uh, they would kind of consider uh, Kevin Kusunoki, they, Rebecca Pugh. They would kind of consider, you know, me as part of their discipleship tree and that they'd also be kind of living that out, you know, wherever they go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a great place to start with your tree, German, is let's focus on Chi Alpha. You know, who were your life group leaders while you were a student in Chi Alpha? Right. They would play some type of role. Right. Um, think, I mean... Obviously, X, Y was one that I had twice. Okay. I, had, I had him twice. I had him freshman year, then I had him again junior year. Um, so X, Y is one of them. And then Josh, pretty, I feel like Josh, because Josh, so X, Y was my life leader, but but Josh um, did one-on-ones with me. Okay. Um, so I think I'll use those two. And was Josh your life group leader as well? Yeah, Josh was my life group leader. They were co-leaders. Okay, great. So you've yeah. got, you know, XY and Josh are in there. And then yeah. at some point, you and I get connected up. I get to serve as your staff mentor. Right. But we really got connected earlier than that, too. Um, we did. So, yeah. So I think if I can name people in Chi Alpha that I think had a monumental impact would be Josh, XY, you. And I also have to add um, Josh um, Jones. Because when in my, in my process of becoming a life group leader, he was the one that did the uh, analyze courses with me. Sure. And those courses were super impactful, mm. super impactful. So I think I can name those four people. Yeah, and that's cool because then, you know, you could on your own time, you know, go back and ask them, you know, who okay. played a role in their story. And that would kind okay. of let you know how far your tree goes back i'm trying to think of who uh when when xy was a freshman i think it was probably kevin kusunoki yeah okay, he's mentioned leader. kevin yeah so that would be kind of in your story um the cool thing about josh jones being in your discipleship tree is that he has professors at bible college um mm. that he would point to as being a part of a story but we also both trace ourselves back to family life church joshua walker yeah. chris foster Jadon george and so it's like our right. trees are kind of you're kind right. of getting in some ways you're getting, you know, Jadon George, Chris Foster, Josh Walker, Justin Reeves through me and Josh Jones. Like you're getting twice, twice yeah. like double yeah. intensity concentrate. Right. You, I don't even know if you've ever been to family life church, German, but you've got the family life church DNA from Brunswick, Georgia from two different carriers. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Yeah. And that makes more sense. And then in terms of tree. And so, so technically I have all the people you named, uh, as my part of that tree, um, part of that tree, and then I will have to go as X Y further further on the line. Maybe I, I guess I should I skip to Kevin, since I know that for example X Y came from Kevin, not came from, but yeah, I mean I think that line I, tree. I think it would be X Y, Kevin, and then Kevin was in Mike Godswas 
Oh, okay. When my godfather led a group, uh, when he was a director, he led a, a life group. And so the, the beautiful part about being in a place that's been around for 20 or more years is that not only does every tree have different roots and branches, but some of yours go back to the same place. Yes, true. Because through me, you get you get hopefully the Kevin. best of Mike. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kevin, Kevin and Mike. Mike. Yeah, yeah, Kevin and Mike. Kevin, you hopefully get Mike. Um, through Josh, you get you know Chris Foster from Family Life Church yeah. through both of us. And so it's like almost like your discipleship tree is more streamlined than most people because there's connections through staff and the generations of Chi Alpha. Um, but yeah. you, like me, also owe a debt to. Um, a woman who was a lead pastor that played a key role in your story. Oh yeah. Family of origin and, and pre kind yeah. of discipleship, right? Yeah. Um, so when I became a Christian, uh, the church I joined was led by women. Her name is Sadie Maria Martinez. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, because of how small the church was, we really got to like, I really got to grow with, and with her in terms of like any, any, skill that I came to college with was because I she would give me the mic uh at times she will will have services outside of the church in, in the neighborhood we have uh we'll all go together and give out a track and even just like do like like pretty much as I with ministry and I feel like a lot of like the church and the evangelistic uh portion of, of, of my faith I she definitely passed it down to me and I don't necessarily know who discipled her, but I know, I mean, her testimony is like just beautiful uh, from being like <laughs> uh, really messed up in, in the world of drugs to being called to uh, mm. being being asked by the spirits to uh, start a church. And the church is a beautiful name. The church is in Spanish called Open Doors. And the doors were open for me to grow and as the only Christian in my family really became, that church really became my family. And she was mm. like the pioneer of that church. Um, and funny enough, there was a, a daughter, Open Door Church, and she led, she was really big on equipping people and sending them out to build churches. Mm. What I love about this is that Pastor Sadie, who I've never met, has invested in you, which has blessed me and other students, but Pastor Sadie is in the discipleship tree of people yeah. like Chase and Glenn, Georgetown. Oh, that's so true. That's so and true. Carlos. That's so true. Because they would probably chase some of their discipleship tree to you in terms of their Chi Alpha tree. And right. you would trace it to who we just talked about, XY, Josh, yeah. Ashons, me. And it would yeah. have, it's funny because the local church is so important because your Chi Alpha trees even point to the local church. Like if it wasn't right. Pastor Chris, I might not be in full-time ministry. If it wasn't yeah. for Pastor Sadie, you might not be yeah. right now. And yeah. so even our Chi Alpha trees can be traced back to key local yeah. church pastors. I agree with that. And if I can even add, like obviously my, my home, home before, my before college church, but even like I think once I get joined Chi Alpha, uh, our connection with uh, National Community Church, it's pretty big because XY, and Josh both uh, attended uh, NCC National Community Church, and they were pastors uh, by a pastor there, which then I was I joined that church as well. So NCC also had a huge role in my growth on while I was student. Yeah, that's what's really interesting about discipleship trees is that you could on a you know PowerPoint or keynote slide 
follow one string or one thread mm -hmm. and have five pictures and go back 10 years. But the beautiful mm -hmm. part is that they're usually a little bit more messy and organic than just like only one person invested in me and only one person invested in them. It's usually like a big group project. Right. And so your tree could be traced, like you said, to Pastor Sadie, to Open Doors, to NCC, to Pastor Jeremy, to Josh, Josh. Like, John, it's yeah. like, it's like it's webbed almost. Right. Yeah. It's, I guess I do have a tree. Yeah. You've got a tree. I got a tree. I, I'm going to have to do some more research on that tree, but I'm excited. Yeah. Now I also want to go back to, to folks like Mike and Jen Godswa and hear more about their trees beyond just what yeah. got them into Catholic vocationally, but their home churches, what made them passionate about ministry and their time in Bible college, because the tree is there. I just have to keep discovering mm -hmm. it. Yeah. That's beautiful. And yeah, I'm excited to reach out to Josh Jones uh, and hear his side of the story when it comes yeah. to like his discipleship. And yeah, I'm excited to to, to do that, to do that research. It's almost as like when you like got that project that they send you to home school, you have to ask your grandparents like what was life like mm -hmm. in their time or like who their parents were and all that stuff, like the origin of the family. Mm -hmm. It's I that, like but more tree. fun, but it's more spiritually fun. <laughs> right. Not if you met my grandmother, but. Gotcha. Yeah, she's a spiritual warrior. I love it. Everyone should have a praying grandmother, right? Timothy, oh. Eunice, I believe in scripture and. And I'm sure that all of us are recipients of people praying that we may not even know. That's a fact. Oh, yeah, that's a fact. We pray for people they don't even know. That's right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Better Wherever podcast. Closing it out in this segment, German, the man, the myth, the legend, and yours truly. As you think about your own discipleship tree, I hope you're also refreshed and excited about making a difference in the lives of students. Have a great week. Peace.